Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, it's time for Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist and author myself, Lori Watson, and my co-host, Tony Del Medico, our psychotherapist. And we are here to talk to you about all things sexual and all things intimate, hoping to help you get the most out of your sex life. You can check us out on the web at foreplayrst.com. Let us know what you think and let us know what you want to hear about. Sex Talk with Lori and Tony. Lori, where is Foreplay going to lead us today? Today, Tony, we're going to talk about... Parents being lovers still. You know, I, I write a blog about married and still doing it, you know, because so many people become sexless after just two years, I might add. But parenting, as you've noted in the past, you know, is kind of the lowest period of sexual satisfaction and the lowest period of marital sex satisfaction as well. Parenting is not foreplay. And parenting is not for the faint of heart. Ooh, it, is it is a really exhausting. difficult time in life. And I think just the topic itself, parents and still lovers, is a really tall order. Uh, thinking about the topic, in some ways, it made me think about two distinct um, periods as a parent mm -hmm. and a lover myself and um, two periods of incredible stress and confusion. One is, I think, with the beginnings of the first pregnancy and the coming of the first child. Mm -hmm. That's a huge shift for a couple. You go it from is. being boyfriend and girlfriend or husband and wife all of a sudden to being a family and a mother and a father. Yeah. And that's a big shift and what, what a big did you burden remember? on the sex talk, life. Talk about what you remember, sort of the angst that you went through is. I don't you know, know if we I don't father. know if we want to talk about this. I'll be in the fetal position in the studio here with my thumb in my mouth. It's yeah. probably the most difficult period I've ever experienced. I don't know if there are other guys out there mm -hmm. as fathers uh, that go through this as well, but the lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. I was actively involved, uh, but the lack of sleep. Uh, the never-ending demands uh, of the baby, which mm -hmm. on one hand, right. you're, you're, you're full of joy that they're here, but on the other hand, you're really exhausted. Right. We love you, kids. Yeah, and, <laughs> we and really if, love you. And if you're struggling as a couple with intimacy to begin with, um, I think it just continues to exacerbate things and really lay both people – you get splayed out and laid bare uh, with, with the deepest woundings that have already been there. I, I think it's – you know, what you're saying is so important because – you know, we want our kids and we want to be considered good parents and we want to be good parents. 
and these the this disappointment and this feelings of exhaustion and the parts about parenting that are difficult you know you've just admitted that and i think so many people try to keep it all inside they can't admit it and maybe they both feel it i mean i know for young women it's an exhausting time being pregnant you know kind of this alien growing inside you and and many women you know, especially your best girlfriend who runs around and says, you know, wow, this is the best time of my life. I've never felt better. And, you know, she doesn't gain an ounce and you're feeling dowdy at two months. And I mean, it, it does a number on your self-image. Your body really changes as a woman. You know, your breasts change. And sometimes that can be great and sometimes it cannot be great. Um, I mean, there's there's all this fear about the, the body as a young woman and then let alone nursing a child, which is physically exhausting a baby being up all night. It Parenting is super difficult. And I think, you know, we want to say that, you know, because we want these children and love these children, it's hard to talk about. And we also want our partner to be the strong parent and the parent we think they ought to be. I, I will say, personally, um, I remember with my first child that I got pregnant and, you know, children was something that my husband and I really wanted. We We were we were definitely just about ready for children, but we were six months too early, which, you know, looking back, that's so crazy to be worried about this six months, but we had just bought a house and there was this fear. And I told my husband, I came out and said, you know, it's blue. The stick is blue. We're, we're pregnant. And I remember him saying, I'm going to go for a run, (laughs) you know, and I remember the disappointment of a young mother. Like I, I had expected a clasp of joy and, wasn't prepared for his anxiety to emerge so quickly. And, you know, now that we've talked about it for that many years, um, you know, I know that he was feeling this tremendous financial stress because of the house and all that. Mm -hmm. And he was just suddenly overwhelmed. And, and what does that have to do with sex? I mean, does that, what is that, how does that impact us as a couple when suddenly we're filled with a huge difference? You know, the two become three, and it impacts every part of our life, our bodies, our energy levels, yeah. our finances, our time together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I, a tough time. Yeah. We're I, sympathetic to you out there. You got – we've been through it. Sounds yeah, like both of us right. have our own versions of we it. We have and, kids. And I'm, I'm thinking about the uh, – in some of our previous episodes, we've talked about the cultural stereotypes or the fantasies or the fairy tales that we – if we we're wonderfully living happily ever after and now we have a child and it's sort of onwards and upwards and – that's the fantasy of it, and the reality is at this time in particular for couples, it is really hard to stay connected sexually. And I think the biology is against us too. You've mentioned breastfeeding right. and, right. and healing um, and from breastfe- pregnancies. Breastfeeding, and- actually there's a hormone, prolactin, that is produced that literally lowers her desire, and it also makes her vaginal tissue drier and thinner. Yeah. So women, if you are postpartum, definitely go back to your physician, your gynecologist, And say, hey, how about a little estrogen, vaginal estrogen, before you start sexual intercourse again, use it for two weeks pre-sexual intercourse. And that really helps. And and doctors kind of tell me, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. But, you know, it doesn't hurt her that much. I'm like, you know what, re-entry into sexual intercourse, why should it hurt at all if we have a medication that is safe, it's safe for the baby, you know, she could use that. And and women often tell me, gosh, I wish I'd known that because it really did hurt me. Yeah. You know, and, so. and and the men's hormones are shifting as well. They're not as sexually active or on the on the on the edge with their testosterone. Their levels have dropped as well too during this period. So even nature is telling the couple, slow down. It's not time to procreate again. And so 
how does a couple stay together intimately through this, I, I think, is the most exhausting period that you go through. A um, hundred years ago, you would have had three or four generations of family under one roof on the farm. There would have been people to take the babies, and there would have been time for you to take a walk with your partner and reconnect. And and now we're sort of alone and isolated. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> At least yeah. a time to get away from a screaming baby for just right. a little bit. So, right. uh, and now we're sort of isolated and on our owns and are really called upon to do all of it. And it, it's really tough. So I think before we jump into how you stay connected, just take a minute saying, gosh, this, this yeah. is tough. I, and I would say practically one thing is, you know, expect, try to hire out as much non-essential tasks as you can. Get a housekeeper you know, get somebody to make those meals and bring them in. Or there's often, I know in my area, there are there are meal-making places that you can go and pick up four dinners. You know, when, when your friends ask, how can I help, say, bring a casserole, bring us a meal. I mean, give them a practical something to help. Many people do not live near extended family. You know, so it's okay to hire a little bit of help. Hire a mother's helper that comes and maybe, you know, just does some cleanup. Maybe they don't take care of the baby because they're too young or you don't trust them yet or you don't know them, but they do things like dinner prep and picking up and laundry. I I, I will remember just in my brain sitting in front of a mountain of little things to fold, you know, and just going, I went to college for this. You know, I'm folding thousands of little things and it's just your whole self-image and who you are is turned on its head Mm -hmm. when you become a parent. And as a psychotherapist, I'm I'm thinking too, Lori, about how we conceive of ourselves as we go through that. So, right, and becoming parents is really a process. I know your your best friend makes it look easy, but for most of us, becoming a mother is not something that happens at birth. You know, it's hap- it happens progressively. Right. Becoming a father happens progressively. It's natural, I think, for the mother to be very preoccupied with the child. In fact, it's good. You know, for a couple of years, that attachment that she has for the child is necessary for the child's emotional health. And fathers, I say, are often arms around during those first two years. And then later on, um, they become more involved in the personality of the child. And mothers are disappointed. You know, why doesn't he get as involved as I I do? And sometimes fathers are disappointed. I'm shoved out. You know, I, I used to be central. She used to fuss about me. And now she's fussing about the baby. I mean, it's so complicated. Yeah, I and would sex agree. is fragile. It is, and it's fragile even before this. And so, the idea of parents and still lovers, I think, again, psychologically, most couples in general take the relationship and themselves and put it far down the list. Mm-hmm. And so, even if you have some people coming in to do some things to help relieve the physical burdens, psychologically, I think it's all hands on deck for the baby. 24 mm-hmm. 7 so we're all in towards that and and in order to rekindle this love or this the lover part of your relationship momentarily you need to, to take it and move it up the depth chart and put it at the top mm-hmm. I, just I, for a little while yeah and it, it can feel very selfish to get away just for an hour and a half right that, um, that's with your mom thing. or yeah, yeah. With somebody or two hours just to get away just for yourselves is tough and it's a lot easier just to stay in the vortex of new baby, new familydom, mm-hmm. and not really spend a lot of time talking about something that may have already been awkward um, going into the pregnancy in the first place. I think the point you're making is proven by research. You know, we know what family structures survive better than other family structures. And our current, you know, culture says that the child-centric family is the best family. 
revolving all our resources, all our time about making and creating a happy childhood for the children is kind of the present day norm. But it is not necessarily the happiest family structure long term. Right. Actually, a structure that honors the marriage as top priority is the best structure because the love between two people then flows out of that, the coupleship, onto the children. We can't get it back. And, and especially mothers and sometimes fathers say, you know, but they're only little once. And so we, we just got to nurture them and love them up. And I'm like, I know. But if you get at the end of that period and you don't have a marriage or you don't have a resource that generates care and tenderness for you to keep giving to the children, you know, it, it isn't a sustainable structure. So the, the structure has to be the couple first. I would agree, Laurie, and, and a lot of the couples that come in are right up, bumping up right against that very mm-hmm. thing. So, Let's reached- come back with some more tips and, and really some practical advice about how they can do this as a family and prioritize um, you know, the coupleship once you become parents. Great. This is Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with author and sex therapist Lori Watson, and I'm Tony Delmedico, psychotherapist. We'll be right back. Wanting Sex Again, How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them, it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy, and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique, and that combination together helps marriages be happy. Improve your sex and improve your relationship with Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Find out more at awakenloveandsex.com and sign up for their next couples retreat weekend hosted by Lori Watson. Awakenloveandsex.com. Awaken what's possible. Welcome back to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm psychotherapist Tony Delmedico, and I'm here with Lori Watson, author and sex therapist. Today we're talking about a most, most difficult topic, how to be parents and still lovers. And Lori, in the first part of the show, uh, we've been talking about parents with small children in a very um, precious time in their lives for sure, but also a very vulnerable time difficult for the time. relationship. And um, Statistically, the most difficult time. I mean, this is... Oftentimes, couples break up at this time just because of the stressors on them. I, I would also say that couples say, you know, we, we got stressed sexually when the children came along. I, I think about, and I take a, a good sexual history on my patients, that oftentimes the couple has tiny little cracks in their sexual, pro, you know, their sex life earlier, but then it's exacerbated by the, the stress of the children. And so things that they didn't work out ways they didn't communicate, the ways that they didn't maybe learn how to talk to each other. Then the children come, and that, that widens into kind of the grand ca- you know, canyon between the two of them. And, um, they're, and they're confused because they think the baby is going to bring so much happiness and so much joy, and, they're gonna, and it's going to be more cement for the marriage instead of something that's going to be um, a divider, unfortunately. Right. So there's a lot of mixed emotions and, and feelings on both sides of the spectrum. There, there is. You're right. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, one of the things that happens sexually, I think, is 
um, the Hormadonna syndrome. And, and I want to talk a little bit about this, what it means, because sometimes men uh, look at their wives and once she becomes pregnant and her body changes, they see that change as, you know, she's becoming a mother. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. And particularly, I think, as a woman's body changes, sometimes she's heavier. You know, her breasts are more pendulum. And, and it reminds him unconsciously of his mother. And so he literally turns off desire. I mean, he doesn't feel it anymore. And I I would say women split themselves. They find themselves the Madonna. I have to be all good, all giving, all the time. I don't have time for the party girl anymore, the sexual self. And and it isn't necessarily that she's out of shape or, I mean, sometimes she can be. It, It isn't necessarily just the body. It can just be mentally. Right, I would say it has very little to do the, with the body, um, at least from some of the men that I visit with. Uh, but I think definitely it's changing, and you hear it in their language. Like she doesn't, he doesn't call her by her first name; he calls her mommy. Oh my so gosh! Already, I, and she calls yeah. him daddy. So they, <laughs> I hate that. You can tell something is going on there that's far beyond just the two yeah, of them what, in the room. What? So yeah, don't do that. The mask don't of mother, the archetype, the archetype of mother and father is in the room, and they're playing at that, and it is confusing and. I had some patients today uh, who came in and said, you know, when mom does this and that, I'm like, was your mother over? I mean, he was talking about his wife, and I'm just thinking, psychologically, you know, he wants her to be the sexual woman, and she doesn't see herself that way. And it's like, why would you reinforce that by saying, you know, mom? She's never going to see herself as a woman again if you keep calling her mom. I, I think that that's a fatal flaw. There's something about being named that is problematic in that. I really mm. highly suggest against yeah. it. So if you're listening, think about what you're calling your partner and when and why mm-hmm. and and um, begin to think about what it would be like to be calling them by their first names or the pet names that you have for them again mm-hmm. that, that open up some intimate space for you. But you were saying with your clients, your male clients, that you see this hormadonna split not necessarily just about the body but maybe more psychologically? I think it's both. Um, and I think it can also be driven home, and, and this may be a little edgy. I, I know that the current practice is to have the man in the delivery room playing center field, as it were, cutting the umbilical cord, and, and I think that ties him closer and closer to the family. But I also think it implants a whole lot of other images that the guys in the 50s and 60s didn't have to deal with. They were sitting in the in the waiting room Smoking passing out either yeah, either uh-huh. passing out blue cigars or, or pink ones. Uh-huh. So I, I it's, it's that, a tough yeah. thing to hold the images of a child being born even though it is beautiful and it is a miracle. And people get defensive when I talk about this. But is it, it is an image that is not um, – Sexy. Yeah, conducive to sex or it could be at all. anxiety-producing sure. for some, some men. And I think mm. you're right. It's not probably politically correct to say that. I think some men do express that feeling mm-hmm. of – you know, wow, her vulva is distorted, and that I hadn't really thought I would see that, and it's scary. This and, is what dilation means. Yeah, and, you know, we expect a lot from young couples in the birth experience. Mm-hmm. They've never had a birth, and we expect them to go in there, and the man should be the coach. You know, he should be able to get her through this, and she's never been through it. They're both frightened. He's never seen her in that kind of pain. She's never been in that kind of pain. Right. They're in a foreign environment. I, I think the way we set couples up for birth – 
while I do believe for me, particularly having my partner present, my, my husband was, was really supportive and really helped me. I think it's a huge setup. And I think some of those discussions of what the man feels about it, you know, are not talked about very much because of I'm supposed to feel this and I really felt that. And I'm just going along with whatever the program is. And believe me, at, at Foreplay RST, we're not advocating not being a part, an intricate a part birth. of the birthing uh-huh. process at but all. maybe a way to I think prepare what we're saying for that. Is, or- yeah, or just have a conversation about it and some thought. You may not want to be down watching. You may want to be up top. But just having a feeling your way into how you would like to have this be is important rather than just being unconsciously dragged through the process. I, I don't think it's a big thing particularly – uh, but I think it is it, – it speaks to just how hard it is to get back to feeling sexual and intimate mm-hmm. with a partner. Mm-hmm. So it's just a piece of it. But. So I, I also think that nursing is is another thing that I hear men react to that is part of the split, you know, that sometimes for them um, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And I would say 80 percent of men think, you know, their wife nursing their baby is the most beautiful thing in the world. But for that other 20%, it, you know, it, it's like, oh, you know, those breasts used to be mine, my playthings, right. and suddenly they belong to the baby. And some, and sometimes for the woman, you know, she's touched out, she's nursing. She doesn't feel like her body has belonged to herself for a very long time, let alone sharing it sexually, let alone the fact that, you know, when you're sexual, sometimes your milk let, lets down. And we know a lot of women have kind of that ick factor thing going on. They They worry about all the the potions and lotions and senses and um, fluids that happen during sex anyway. And this is one more and they hadn't expected that, you know, so there's, there's some problems. And I think talking to couples about that, maybe helping them um, talk through it could be very, very helpful. I would. And as a, as a point of caution, I I think the man in general does feel like a third party, even though Mm -hmm. he's witnessing something very beautiful and natural and timeless. It is, well, what about me? What do I do now mm-hmm. as, as this third wheel? How do I integrate into this this new threesome? And, um, it, and it, it's it would tough be wonderful. It would be wonderful if these men had their extended families, like we've talked about, their fathers who say, "Hey, you know, just give it a, a little bit of time." I mean, I think sometimes men have been told, and we all think, "Okay, six weeks, she's going to be ready to be sexual again." And sometimes she's not. Most often, the flip, the switch doesn't flip. I think right. that a pattern is being set up that gets very hard to, to pull back out of mm-hmm. um, very quickly. She may be pregnant again with a second or a third child. And so a, a dynamic that's going to carry on, you know, may get going and, and run unabated for the next seven, eight, ten years. And I think there's like this low grade depression, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, sex has dropped off this far. And now we got baby number two on the way. What when are we ever going to get back to each other? Yeah. And, and I think th- I have a solution for that. Sure. Um, I really do tell couples that once they're parents, they need the 444 solution. And what that means is that on the weekends, you need four hours to yourself, four hours for her, uninterrupted, and not about chores, four hours for him, uninterrupted, not about doing stuff, not about the kids, and four hours together that you take time away from the baby or the children that is about couple time. I mean, I think one of the difficulties for young mothers to be sexual is they feel like they don't have any autonomy. Their purpose, especially if they're stay at home or even if they're working and then doing childcare on top of it, is their purpose, their work, their separateness is about the children. That's that's what they're doing, even though it's a relational work. 
it's still going out, you know, energy going out. And so they don't have anything for the self. And they often don't give them, themselves permission to take time for the self. And I'm saying if you're going to be sexual, you have to have at least four hours of time all that's your own. You know, so work to build that bottle supply, that milk supply in the freezer so that you can get away for four hours with your girlfriends to the park or say, you know what, you take the baby in the morning, let me sleep in for four hours, you know, and take the baby out on a car ride or whatever. And he should have some time too that is unaccounted for. I mean, essentially where he can go for a long bike ride or meet with his buddies or, I mean, we all need kind of a little bit of ourselves back when we have children, you know, because we give so much to the kids. And then we absolutely need to prioritize four hours that are just about the couple, a date. And it doesn't have to be, you know, Saturday night. It might be Saturday morning because your energy is better. Your kids are happier and your kids need you to put them to bed at night. Okay. So go out Saturday morning and couples tell me when we don't have any money, we don't have any time. It's like when I was a young parent, I went to, you know, some fast food restaurant with my husband and we sat for four hours and talked and did the, you know, refillable Cokes, which was brand new. That says how old I am <laughs> at the time, you know, and it was a cheap date and we wandered through bookstores, which don't exist anymore. So I have no more ideas for you. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, we did cheap dates and spent our money on the babysitter. Yeah. And you committed to getting that time alone, which is the most important week. thing you can do. Yeah, and I week. think it's wonderful. And I think that's sound advice, whether your children are six months old or 16 years old. Yeah. So I, I think it's just fabulous. The 444 rule, and if you can throw in the 2020 rule from our previous <laughs> sessions, yeah. I think you're well on your way to getting to the mountaintop. So, Lori, as we wrap up this session for parents and trying to stay still lovers, uh, do you have a tip for the day? Yep, I do. And I think that along with the 444 rule, I, I would say designate a period of time, one night a week, that is intimate time. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be sexual, but, you know, you're going to put the baby down and you're not going to jump back on the computer. You're not going to do work. You're not going to look at your phones. You're going to have a glass of wine together, debrief, talk, and hopefully something will lead to itself and you will have sex. Wonderful. I think my tip, I just want to be a giant yellow warning sign that this is the most fragile time that you will have as a couple and it's fraught with danger, the potential for affairs, the potential for divorce. And if you don't make the effort to break the pattern that very naturally sets up, um, you're going to be in for trouble, whether sooner or later. So keep your eyes open. Couple comes first. You got it. That brings us to the end of this episode. I'm psychotherapist Tony Del Medico, and I'm with Laurie Watson, sex therapist and author. You've been listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. Join us next time for some more Foreplay. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much.